Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, here's the long trip down to the barn for PFTPM. Firing up the Ranger. Engaged in reverse. Sometimes it takes a little bit for it to kick in. Oh, there it goes. Out we go. All right, garage door down. Hello. Uh, All right. Not the easiest thing in the world to drive with one hand. And off we go. Beautiful day. Hello, trash cans. Try not to crash into the trash cans. And around the corner we go. Down the gravelly road. Hopefully there won't be a second spitter. Try not to go over the hillside. And there's the barn off in the distance. It's a long trek. It's a long journey. What a beautiful day. And then we go down the hill and the objective becomes don't crash into the barn. Let's try not to crash into the barn. Gonna crash into the barn. Here we go. What? What's that music in the background? Is that banjos? Is that it's dueling banjos music, in the background? <laughs> that that is the barn, and I will be down there tonight. If it wasn't, you know, quarantine time, I'd invite some people over. But it's just gonna be me and my son hanging out, watching the draft. And I think we're gonna do some videos, some real time videos with reactions to the picks. Because we've been doing PFTPM from the barn lately. We have an audio solution because the audio is not real good. We're working on that. We're going to work on a video solution as well. But it's a lot of fun down there. It's more relaxed. It's a nice. It's just a nice place to be. It's a place to hang out. It's a place to watch TV. And it's a place that at times has had 15 or 16 people in it. But that hasn't happened in a long time. I think the, the, the big boxing match. What was the big boxing match that was the rematch that was back in February? Like that was the last event. Where like you mean the I was the heavyweight human the, the heavyweight championship maybe uh, yeah I can't you know, even remember big, who it was the big guy from London and the other guy who wore the forty pound uh, you know yes forty yeah, Tyson yes Fury. I know what you mean yeah Tyson Fury and Dante Wilder that's what it was man now it's you all are rich though I'll tell you with that house and that Just, land and those toys woo all right money all right, baby NFL, lots of money NFL quarterback. <laughs> All right, NFL quarterback and son of NFL quarterback who now has a job in broadcasting. Okay, yeah. Um, before we get going, though, again, good morning. It's Thursday. It's draft day. We are here. We have arrived. We've been going for an hour. We have another hour to go. If you missed the first hour, it re-airs coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern. I need to give a shout-out 
to my new friend Justin, Jersey City firefighter who is home fighting COVID-19. He's been there for three weeks now trying to get his lungs cleared out. He's a big fan of the show. He loves it when I bust your chops, Chris. So I am busting your chops even more than usual today, although the difference is negligible. But Justin, (laughs) we're with you. Hang in there. Everybody who's watching who is dealing with the disease, we are on your side 1,000%. We try to provide a diversion and a distraction from the day-to-day stresses and worries. And uh, Justin especially, thanks for reaching out, and we appreciate what you do professionally, and we, we wish you the best as you continue to fight this awful disease, Chris. And, you know, for me specifically, and you may agree with me on this if you don't, who cares, we've been so caught up in the bubble of draft prep that it has provided more than a couple of hours of distraction for me recently. It's been, hey, I really haven't had to think about all that stuff. And I'm very concerned that once we get on the other side of the draft, it's all going to kind of rush in like a dam breaking. And I'm going to spend way too much time obsessing over where we are, where we're going, what is our plan? Is there enough testing? Should people be out and about? Are we protecting the elderly and the infirm? And again, this, at least every morning, is a two-hour respite from that. But I'm concerned that after the draft, I'm going to spend way more time when we're not doing the show thinking and worrying and stressing about things I've been able to forget about the past couple of weeks that we've been in full draft mode. No doubt. I mean, I, I know I, you know, we've both been immersed in it. We've been busy. I've been trying to you know, watch film of all these guys and dig into it that way. So I, I certainly have had the distraction of the draft and benefited for that. It's been nice because, yeah, you know, hey, listen, you sit there and you watch the news all night or look at the news on your phone all day, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have, uh, you know, a heart attack sometimes. It just stresses you out. And, and I hear you too, you know, hey, listen, I'm sitting here. I miss my mom and dad. Damn, I haven't seen my mom and dad in forever. My dad really they don't long miss time. You. I, well, they, they might you. not. <laughs> they might not, but they're still my mom <laughs> and dad. And, yeah, those are things that I think you're right. When this draft is over, I'm going to start thinking about, man, when am I going to see my family? What's going to happen here? It's just so many unknowns. But let's all enjoy this weekend and have fun with it because it's the greatest live event we're going to have going here for a while. And uh, I'm very excited for it. I mean, the biggest family tragedy is grandparents and their grandchildren separated. I mean, that is beyond heartbreaking. But uh, hopefully we get to a point where those issues can be resolved. And until then... We will be here with you until they yank us off the air for a couple of hours a day to give you something to think about, talk about, focus on other than the things that can stress all of us out. All right, let's focus on the draft for the remainder of the program. The Dolphins have three picks in round one, five in the first 56, 14 total picks, the most of any team in the 2020 draft it's amazing to see that three picks in round one and who knows what's going to happen with that fifth overall pick there is increasing reporting and speculation that they're going to move from five to number three and the lions are going to move from three to number five and chris as you said last hour it could be the dolphins are trying to cut the line in front of the new york giants for alabama tackle jedrick wills that could be why the dolphins are trying to jump up but uh Whatever you do, whenever you do, however you do it, one thing to keep in mind, and this applies to any of the trades that may happen, you don't want to do the deal before the pick that you are acquiring is on the clock because if you do it ahead of time, everybody drafting behind you then knows that's where you are. And if we're going to get the guy that you're trying to get, we have to get in front of you. So, you know, don't expect – 
I, I, I can't rule out deals being done today, but I think the better course is wait until the pick is on the clock so you minimize the risk of someone saying, oh, look, Jacksonville's now at number 13. I wonder who they're going to pick. Let's try to cut the line in front of them, Chris. Yeah, well, I think you're, you're, you know, your logic is correct there, Mike. You're right. You don't want to do it too early to let everybody know and then reorganize their game plans and come back to screw you if you're a certain organization. But, you know, the Dolphins, it, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Three draft picks. We know they need a quarterback. We don't really know what quarterback they're going to take. There's some different options here. What are they really looking to trade up for? I do think it's the offensive tackle. Just if I had to connect dots, you know, Brian Flores being from New England, Joe Judge being from New England, the connection with Alabama. Joe Judge worked for Alabama at one point. You know, to me, that would be Jedrick Wills. He's the most pro-ready, and he was the number one tackle on my board, ready to go day one coming out of Alabama. So is it a fight for that, Mike? Is it a fight for – are the Dolphins trading up? Because maybe have they got an inkling that – I don't know. The Los Angeles Chargers might try to trade up to number four and take Justin Herbert or a Tua or something like that. You know, I really don't know. And it's uh, there's a lot of rumors percolating right now, as there should be. The Dolphins, like you said, have done a good job of throwing curveballs out to everybody. Uh, but they're they're really the fascinating team here in the first round, and they're going to dictate how things play out by you know, especially according to what they do here with that number five pick. Yeah, and it can go in a lot of different directions, and they've done a great job of keeping everyone guessing. We had thought all along that the Dolphins wanted Tua Tonga-Vailoa, although I'll tell you what, once the season ended and once Joe Burrow emerged, that's when I heard from a very, very reliable source, not to be confused with my usual unreliable sources, that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, loves Joe Burrow, and they had cooled yes. on Tua Tonga-Vailoa, in large part because of the injury. And there was a point you made last hour that I want to revisit as it relates to Tua versus Justin Herbert, because there's been buzz that the Dolphins prefer Justin Herbert to Tua, in part because of the injuries with Tua and the concern that he's not going to be durable at the NFL level. There was a report yesterday from Armando Soguero, the Miami Herald, that the Dolphins doctors are comfortable with Tua's health, that they gave him a passing grade on a physical at the scouting combine in February. And you made the point, and this is a good point, that this could be part of an effort by the Dolphins to get the fan base accustomed to the idea that Tua is going to be their guy. And that's entirely possible that that's what they're doing. But the way I look at the Dolphins and the way I look at Brian Flores and you consider his decade and a half or so with Bill Belichick, I don't think he cares about getting the fan base ready in advance. He'll deal with the fan base afterward. And when you look at the stadium when they're playing a home game, there isn't much of a fan base really to worry about. I think the main focus for Flores and company is, or at least should be, play the game strategize, keep everyone guessing, don't let anyone know what you're really doing, try to work the board to your favor so you emerge with the best possible players so your team becomes good enough that you actually have a fan base. So given those two options, like I can understand why plenty of teams would do that to get a fan base ready for what may be coming if it's going to be a surprise like a Daniel Jones last year with the Giants. But everybody's kind of known Tua's out there and no one's going to be stunned if they take Tua. I think this is more about keeping every other team in the NFL in the dark about what the Dolphins are thinking about doing. Well, I, I do think there's, there's certainly, yes, some gamesmanship there, 100%. And it's smart by them. I mean, you're right. They've kind of kept everybody, you know, off, off balance here with what they might want to do. 
You know, to me, if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm taking Justin Herbert at number five and I'm moving on and trying to build my team. I think Justin Herbert is phenomenal. Even without the injury concerns, uh, I would take Justin Herbert over Tua Tango Viola. Okay, so I really like Tua, but I don't think he's worth that. Then there is the injury concerns. Mike, I'll go back to something I said in the first hour. And again, it's draft time. And you don't know who to believe, as we know. You know, but I had two people the last two days who I really trust and have steered me in the right direction a lot that they really think there's a good opportunity or a good chance that the Dolphins at that number five or if they trade up to number three will not take a quarterback and then late wait till later in the first round to maybe make a move for Tua or drafted Jordan Love, whether that's trade back into the first round and get a fourth pick in the first round or maybe take him with, uh, what is their last pick, number 26, right? Uh, one of those. So that's where I'm intrigued because, like I said, I had two people who I really trust kind of say that to me, and I just don't know where their feel is right now. And, and of course, that makes them the enigma here of the first round, and especially the top five. An enigma wrapped in a riddle, or in the case of Newman, an enigma wrapped in a Twinkie. So Tua or <laughs> Herbert, who, uh, if, you, if, you have to, if you have to pick one or the other right now, here, now, who goes first? The Oregon quarterback, who grew up a fan of Joey Harrington, which for me is the ultimate red flag, or Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the, uh, the guy who at one point was presumed to be the first overall pick? Well, I, I mean, if you made me bet and throw down money, I'm going to throw it down on Justin Herbert. I am. You know, again, you know, Justin Herbert, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say all my talking points you've heard already. If you put him on Alabama last year, man, it would have been scary. They would have been better. I mean, he's a special talent. He could throw rifles all over the field. He's big, strong, really good athlete. The best wonderlick score out of all the quarterbacks in the draft. So he's very smart. Really, the only negative I ever hear from anybody is he's not a vocal leader. He's not a vocal leader. Did like, you know, that's something like, I'm not worried about that. You can grow into being a vocal leader, right? I mean, John Gruden made me a more of a vocal leader. Tom Brady didn't go to the New England Patriots and just start cussing out players and yelling at everybody. He got emboldened by his play. The coaching staff emboldened him to, to be that guy. Hey, Tom, help us out in the field. We need you to be a, a, a leader. You know, uh, I think Herbert is completely capable of all that. So to me, when you start talking about that stuff, you're trying to make up stuff now. You've gotten off track and you're not evaluating. You're, you're coming up with bull crap out of the air to pick apart a player. It's like DK Metcalf last year. Like, we're not sure about him because his hair's pink and he has a nose ring. I don't know if we can take a chance on him in the first round. Like, shut up with all that crap and over that over-evaluating crap. So to me, that yes, I would bet Justin Herbert. I feel like so much of what goes into the pre-draft process is a combination of CYA when things go sideways after the fact. You know, if the Definitely. guy that you draft is a bust, you've got to file this thick as to why, well, here's why we took him. He's this and he's this and he did this and he ran this fast and he did this. And also you have a file for the flip side. If a guy you pass on ends up being a superstar like a Lamar Jackson who goes 32 overall, you can pull out and say, well, here's why we thought this. And hey, one of the reasons Ryan Pace is still employed in Chicago, I assume, is that at some point he made a compelling case to George McCaskey, the chairman of the team, as to what he saw in Mitchell Trubisky, what he didn't see in Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and why he did what he did. And I think it's a combination of that cover your butt plus, plus 
Find facts that will justify your initial biases and prejudices about a player. You get that first impression reaction and you decide this is who the player is and you spend the rest of your time looking for anything that will support your initial view and ignoring anything that that goes against your initial view. It sounds a lot like American politics right now, but I think a lot of that goes on, Chris. Uh, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, listen, teams pick players because of, you know, the media pressure and, and you know, the name that's been fed to the fan base for so long that, hey, sometimes they might have another guy at that position that's like they feel is slightly better, but they don't want to hear the backlash and they just take the guy that was the mainstream pick because they don't. There's teams that bow down to that. There certainly is. You know, so, I mean, you're right. The politics of the position uh, are very real. You know, and, and, you know, to your point about like justifying players and things like that, you're you're 100 percent right. You know, I think the one thing that always bothers me, too, when I hear about and again, I don't want to sit here and, you know, I'm just I'm really bagging on some evaluators out there and things like that. But the other thing I hear too much with the Tua thing, right, that always bothers me, Mike. All right. When I watch TV or other draft shows, oh, he's a winner. Like What? Well, what the hell does that have to do with anything? He's a, when you start out with the phrase, he's a winner, that tells me he's not that talented. Because when you're really talented, Pat, you know, people didn't like, you, you come out and talk about the talent right away. Like, oh my gosh, his ability to move in the pocket. Oh my gosh, his, his ability to throw from different platforms. That's how you start the conversation. To me, I hear some of these evaluators talk about Tua sometimes. And they start out with the winner thing. And I want to go, man, that's what we're starting with. Huh, let me think. Oh, Patrick Mahomes was four and seven his last year at Texas Tech. Wow. Well, he's not a winner. We better give that guy back. John Elway never had a winning season at Stanford. Oh, that's right. You know, we're just in this era that just drives me crazy where we give the quarterback all the credit. Alabama wasn't hurting for points and yards when Tua got hurt. I mean, they scored a lot of points on Auburn, who was like the best defense in college football. And then scored a lot of points on Michigan, who was like one of the better defenses in college football. So that, to me, is really the big conversation with Tua. Are the people believe in Tua the talent, or are they sitting there and being fooled by the machine of which is Alabama and giving Tua the credit? And I think it's more of the latter. And you know who else was a winner? You know who was a winner? Who? Tim, Tim Tebow was a winner. Oh, right, What, what did that right. do oh, for him? Sure, exactly right. I mean, it had nothing to do with the other 12 pro bowlers on his team. It was, it was Tim Tebow at Florida. It had nothing to do with the Pouncey Twins or Percy Harvin or all the defensive tackles who went in the first round and the corners who went in the first round. No, it was all Tim Tebow. He did it all himself. Now, a guy who was a winner and who played at a high level, Joe Burrow, presumed to be the number one overall pick. Adam Schefter of ESPN has reported this morning that the Dolphins did indeed try to make a move up to number one. It's something the Dolphins have been calling the Bengals about over the past several weeks. And the Bengals have said consistently they're not trading the number one overall pick. Now, Schefter doesn't have the details as to what was offered. Chris, at a certain point, the Dolphins make the proverbial godfather offer, the offer the Bengals can't refuse. And there's a question, and I'm just going to say it. Are the Bengals smart enough to know when they've been given an offer they can't refuse or that they shouldn't refuse? Will they ignore anything and everything? Could, could the Dolphins offer their next three drafts, every pick, and the Bengals still say, no, we're sticking with Joe Burrow? There has to be well, a point where the Bengals say yes. There has to be. 
Yeah, I agreed, Mike. I, there has to be a point. And I think a lot of that's going to be determined on what they think of the rest of the quarterback class. Listen, if the Bengals get some deal that blows them out of the water and they just have a slightly lesser grade on a guy like Justin Herbert at the starting quarterback position, I would tell them, do it. Make the play. Make the trade. If you're going to get three first-round picks out of it or two first-round picks and a second and a third or you know something greater than that, I would tell them to do it as long as they feel like Justin Herbert's not too much of a fall-off from Joe Burrow. If they have Joe Burrow in a class by himself and it's like, oh my gosh, he's the number one player in the draft and he's one of the best quarterbacks we've ever evaluated, then I don't know if you make that move. There are very few players in the NFL right now who are truly untouchable. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, right? That, that would never be traded under any circumstances. And I'm having a hard time coming up with a list beyond those two. Aaron Rodgers, he's old enough where he wouldn't Deshaun be untouchable. Deshaun Watson, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe. Here's my point. How in the hell is Joe Burrow untouchable to the point where there is nothing you can offer that could get the Bengals to do the point, deal when Mike. the guy's never taken a snap in the NFL? There has got, but now again, we're talking about the Bengals. So they may not know what's good for them. And, and that, that's what's going to make this fascinating. It's one thing to say that the Dolphins have been calling, and that doesn't surprise me. That I, I've, I've suspected that and or kind of known that. The question is, what have they offered? And for the purposes of the next 11 hours and 40 minutes, what will they offer? And will it be enough to get the Bengals to recognize, okay, Joe Burrow isn't untouchable and the Dolphins have given us enough draft picks that we'll, we'll touch those instead. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. I would think Cincinnati is smart enough to know, but again, Mike, I think it goes a lot about into what you said at the start of this segment, you know, so much of this sometimes is about the fan base and the perception and everybody thinks Joe Burrow is the one and he's an Ohio kid. And man, he led the team to the national championship and there's all these positives. So they really got to make sure that if they do do that, that they get blown out of the water so they can sell that to their fan base and go, look, we like Joe Burrow, but look at everything we got. We couldn't turn this down. And I think that's what it would take basically to, to, for Miami to get to that number one pick. But I'm with you, Mike. All- I had heard it all along that Miami is trying to get to that number one pick to get Joe Burrow. Steven Ross loves Joe Burrow. I was told that in January. I believed it then. I believe it now. And the question is, yeah. what will Ross tell his GM, Chris Greer, and his coach, Brian Flores, over the rest of the day to do to get the deal done? And if Ross, who is getting closer and closer to the end of the time that he will be owning the Dolphins, if he's determined to make it happen, he may make it very, very hard for the Bengals to ultimately say no. we got to take a break. All right. Rob Gronkowski spoke for the first time as a member of the Buccaneers on Wednesday, and he revealed when he first began talking to hashtag Tommy about a potential comeback. We'll talk about that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. A little tired, but Gronk reporting. Tom Brady posting yesterday on social media the video of him summoning Rob Gronkowski from retirement and now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the trade that happened on Tuesday out of nowhere and it was over and done like that and now Gronk met with the media on 
Wednesday via video conference and addressed a variety of things. Here's Gronk explaining why he needed a full year off before returning to football. For sure. I've, I've said it from the beginning that I wouldn't come back unless if I'm feeling it, unless if I'm feeling good, feeling healthy, and I'm feeling like uh, I'm ready to go. And now this is the case. This is the time. Uh, it definitely wasn't last year. My body 100% needed a rest. Uh, you know, I played football for whatever, 15 years straight, uh, college, high school, NFL, and I was taking hits, surgeries, everything. My body 100% needed a rest. I had no fire last year, even at the end of the season to come back. But, uh, you know, as the time rolled on, uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, I started really picking it up. Rob Gronkowski, not a surprise, Chris, that he needed to have a little bit of time off. He had so many injuries, so many surgeries, concussion concerns, and he was just worn out. He was worn out by New England. He was worn out by the Patriot way. He was worn out by Bill Belichick, and now he's had a full reset, mental and physical, and he's ready to go, and it all makes sense. Well, yeah, it does make sense. And, you know, yes, uh, for as physical as he's played the position over his career and some of the injuries he's had, like we talked about yesterday, I mean, you know, those were no like, oh, we're going to swipe that under the rug type injuries. They were serious. Plates in his elbow, you know, back surgeries, leg surgeries. I mean, he's had it all. And I, I understand that. I think he was beat to crap. He did. He lost his fire. But a year off, I, I'm, I'm sure it refreshed him. And I can, you know, even the fact that, again, he says there like a few weeks ago, you know, again, it just leads me to believe he started working out for that WWE WrestleMania and I think he started going, damn, I kind of feel good. And this Tampa Bay thing is interesting. And Brady's there. And, uh, you know, I, I just find that very interesting. I wonder if that's what got him going. But regardless, he's ready to go. And, man, I love that social media conch thing. That is amazing. And it's, it's an amazing story right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Gronk said yesterday that he first discussed potentially coming out of retirement and joining Brady two months ago. Here's Gronk on that issue. We actually got together about two months ago, and uh, he, we, we rarely talked about what his decision was going to be, what, where I'm at. I said, uh, I'm definitely interested in, in your decision that you make. I mean, I didn't put any pressure on him. I said, but uh, if, if there's a right opportunity uh, out there and, uh, and you, you go somewhere and the opportunity is right, uh, even if you go back to the Patriots and I feel like the opportunity is right, uh, there's a there's a possible chance that uh, I will definitely love to reconnect. Uh, and that's where the conversation started a little bit. Uh, and he was all fired up and juiced up about it. <laughs> oh, he clearly was. I mean, even when you have O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid as your tight ends in Tampa Bay, neither guy, all due respect, is Gronk. And to add Gronk to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and it's just it, – it, it really adds a level of excitement and fascination, and who the hell knows if it's going to work. But it's fun to think about it. It's fun to talk about it. It's fun to have Gronk back in the NFL. The NFL isn't the same without Gronk in it. And just this idea of taking not just one iconic player from one of the greatest franchises we've ever seen in any sport, but two of them, and moving them to the same town in the same offseason, that's unprecedented unprecedented uh, you know I mean you know how I feel about it I mean Gronkowski is the greatest tight end ever you know Brady's certainly in that conversation for his you know quarterback position it's amazing let alone you know again just the star power that was already there and the good football players that were on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster you know and then you add like 
Yes, Gronk and Brady to Tampa with, you know, Bill and Bruce Arians and his, you know, unique coaching style and personality. I just think it's going to be so many great moments, you know, leading up to the season, hopefully if we have it, and during the season, because they're going to be, you know, I just have a hard time believing they're not going to be in the conversation for one of the better teams in the NFC South. I do. I just, I think Bruce Arians is the type of coach that will be able to feed off this energy and he'll be able to get the team to rally around it. And Brady's going to give them belief and Gronk's going to give them belief. And it's just going to be just the nudge they needed to kind of get over the top from mediocrity to now we're kind of in the cream of the crop conversation. So that's what makes it awesome. What? Mediocrity? Mediocrity? Me- mediocrity? Medi- it's, <laughs> it's mediocre mediocrity. Mediocrity. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing. We're, we're going to come Thank up you. with a separate volume of the Sims English that we're going to make available to all English-speaking countries. It and was maybe a Freudian slip. Sorry. Medi- mediocrity kind of describes <laughs> this show in a nutshell. Um, Brett Favre was on SiriusXM NFL Radio yesterday, and he said that, you know, because remember, Joe Montana, Tom Brady's boyhood idol, his advice, even though Montana left the 49ers for the Chiefs late in his career, his advice to Brady was don't leave New England, don't leave New England. Brett Favre saw Brady at the Super Bowl. They had the NFL 100 celebration, and he said, I spoke to Tom briefly. I didn't say, what are you going to do? I just said, hey, if you're thinking about going elsewhere, go for it. <laughs> and he asked me if I had to do it all over again, would I do it the same way? And I would. That, that to me, is even more amazing than his advice to Brady because, you know, if you inject truth serum into Brett Favre, not that you really need to because I think he's always very candid and honest with, with his views on things, he would admit if he regretted the way things went down in Green Bay. Remember, right. that was ugly. They kind of forced him into retirement. They, they asked him for a decision at a time in the year when they knew what his decision was going to be, and then they basically barricaded the door. He comes back tries to force his way back onto the team. They trade him to the Buccaneers to get him out of the division, not the Buccaneers. They thought about the Buccaneers. Trade him to the Jets to get him out of the division. Ends up back in Minnesota, hated by Packers fans. He says he has no regrets. So, look, I mean, it's not nearly as acrimonious for Tom Brady the way he left the uh, the Patriots. So if Favre has no regrets, Brady never will. Well, yeah, and, and you know, again, I, I just, you know, it's cool because, you know, there's not a lot of people that can – even begin to pretend what it's like to be in Tom Brady's shoes. But like Brett Favre is one of those few people that it can at least have some feel for it. You know, I know he doesn't have the Super Bowl victories, but we're talking about iconic players in the history of the sport who were staples of a franchise for a long, long time. And, you know, just personally speaking to me, if I was in that situation and had somebody with, you know, as many pelts on the horse as a guy like Brett Favre does say that to me, that would embolden me a little bit, certainly. Because I think the biggest fear for any player that's in the Tom Brady situation is just, man, the change of scenery. What's it going to be like? I'm so used to doing one thing for a long time. You know, you worry about moving your family and the effects and all that. And I think when you hear a guy tell you, hey, go for it, it's not as difficult as you think or you're making it out to be in your brain. Uh, I think that could probably make a guy even like Tom Brady feel a little easier about or feel a little ease about the situation. Tonight's draft will be historic, so today's PFT Live draft will consist of the things that we most want to see happen in this unprecedented stay-at-home virtual draft. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. All 
All right, look at some of the setups for tonight's draft, the stay-at-home draft, first ever, hopefully first only. That was John Elway. There's John Lynch. A lot of screens there. Tom Telesco, what what a setup. What a, Hey, pays good. can't hide money, as you would say, Chris. And there's Dave Gettleman. You can hide your computer, apparently. Andy Reid in his basement with just a couple of screens. I think the older you are, the fewer the screens you have. How about this with Rick Spielman? Wow. Holy crap, he is ready to go. He's got he, when you've got six the six monitors to create one giant monitor, you are next level. So that's how it's going to be tonight in NFL homes throughout the country as we try to figure all this out. So what do we want to see tonight in the draft? That's today's draft. Here's the trivia question for Chris Sims. If he gets it right, he gets the first pick. Joe Burrow is likely going to be the first overall pick tonight. If that happens, he will become just the second quarterback in the common draft era to win the Heisman Trophy and the national championship the season before being the first pick in the draft. Who was the other player to do it, Chris? Heisman, oh my. national championship, first overall pick. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. This is, I, I, I'm, I, this is so easy. It's the common draft era you're talking about right here. So, yes. Oh, my gosh. Who am I missing here? That's the Heisman National Championship number one pick. Is this really obvious? Am I stupid here? Yes. Like that I'm yes. That I'm that I'm yes. missing this one. <laughs> who yes. The, who the hell is? All right, go ahead. I'm choking. Total choke. Cam Newton. I was going to give you a, a hint. Cam Newton. Oh. I mean, I was going to say he's still in the league, no. sort of. Anything Don't give I would have said like that would have told you. Yeah, Cam Newton. All right. Damn. Uh, I can't believe I got that wrong, or didn't get a guess at all. But but when we say common draft, then you start thinking of guys like Y.A. Tittle and Bart Starr. And, you know, if it would been within the last 10 first. years. If, if we had just said in the last 10 years, you probably would have figured out Cam Newton. All right. Uh, first pick for me. Very simple. Very easy. Where does Tua Tonga-Vailoa land? That's what I want to see. That's the story of the draft. It's the Johnny Manziel question six years later. And let me tell you, the 2014 draft, and I, I saw that it was re-aired last night, the 2014 draft was one of the most compelling that I can remember simply because of Johnny Manziel. The free fall, the Cowboys, the intrigue, the drama, the Browns getting involved to make him pick number 22. I, I don't know that the same thing is going to play out with Tua. I, I feel bad for him if he slides, but I kind of want him to slide, Chris, because I want it to last. I don't want him to go in the top five. I don't want him to go in the top ten. I want it to linger. I want it to become compelling and uh, sorry, Tua, I know you want to get drafted and you want to get paid, but I want to be entertained. And I'm going to be more entertained the longer he's on the board. Well, yeah, I mean, I hear you. You know, that's kind of where I wanted to go with my first pick. Honestly, it's along the same line. So that's a good one. You know, I, I'm going to say something similar, but it's not the same. in the fact that I, I, I kind of want to see Miami Dolphins, you know, not pick a quarterback with their first two picks and us be all in like, Oh my gosh, what are they going to do with pick number 26? You know, I just want to see the chaos of that. So that's going to be my first pick. It's just like, I want to see the Dolphins pass on the quarterback with their first two picks and then go, oh man, is Tua still going to be on the board? Are they going to make a, a, a late move to maybe trade back up in, like I said earlier in the show, and get a fourth pick in the first round and get a guy like Jordan Love? Or do they just take Jordan Love with the 26th pick? But that's to me the one thing I, I, you know, again, I really like Justin Herbert, but just for viewing pleasure, I would love to see that in the chaos it creates and where this whole quarterback conversation goes from there. Next one for me, and this one is very simple. And it's not will the commissioner be booed, it's how 
will the commissioner be booed? He teased to Peter King earlier this week that basically you have to tune in to see what happens. And then there was a promotion that came out from Budweiser or Bud Light, Bud Light Seltzer, one of them, that you could do a video of yourself booing the commissioner. They were going to contribute a dollar for every video to coronavirus relief up to $500,000, which is a great cause, a great reason to do it. So maybe they'll be playing some of those videos. But that's a little too self-aware. That's forced. That's not organic. I want to know, will there be authentic, organic, actual booing? There's going to be a montage behind the commissioner during every pick of 15 fans and I don't, we talked about this last week. I don't think that's enough anonymity to get them to naturally boo him because, you know, if it's 10,000 people, they'll boo. And then when it's a small group, they'll clamor for selfies and signatures. That's the way the human mind works. But I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, will they, will they view this promotion uh, to be enough or will there be some other avenue for booing the commissioner? I'd love to see his family kind of just kind of boo him to get it all started. If you do it the right way, you come off as getting it. And and I think he does kind of get it. There's a difference right. between getting it, though, and coming off on TV as if you get it, if that makes any sense, and it probably doesn't. No, it doesn't make any sense, but yeah, I understand. Yeah, it makes a little sense. Yeah, it I guess so. Sense. Okay. But, I mean, I, I the, the yeah, I would that would be cool, actually, though, if Roger Goodell is about to get up there and all of a sudden we see his wife and kids all of a sudden go, boo, you stink, dad, you stink. That would be really funny. I actually would enjoy that. I hope he has, I hope he has fun with it. It's kind of a tradition, you know, and we need to hear some boo of Roger Goodell at some point. It's, and again, like you said, it's not, it's not personal. People just like to boo people of power more times than not, uh, whether it's owners, commissioners, whatever it may be. All right. And you take the and you take the you take the power away from the boo if you embrace it. You 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 turn it from an insult into something that is not necessarily positive, but it's not as negative as it otherwise would be. Yes, exactly right. Uh, I, I hear you there. And that, it will be cool. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Maybe if they add some fake boos in there or something like that. Um all right, I, I'm along a little bit of the same lines here too. My I, I wanna see a really crucial pick, right? Like it's about to go down. There was this huge trade, and we're going to finally hear who this team that made this big trade for, and then I want the Zoom connection to freeze just as he's about to say the name. So we're all like, wait, who the hell did it? Who is it? And none of us know for about like a minute until it gets figured out or whatever it may be. To me, that would just be fun and add a little theatrics to it. And, of course, the reality of the situation is, that crap happens right now, like me getting cut off of the show a few times this week already. Yeah, I would think you would have a little more, and I never know whether it's sympathy or empathy. I always have to look it up or think about it, but I think you would be able to relate more and and not want it to happen given the stream of expletives that you let fly during the break when you got cut off multiple times earlier this week. <laughs> yes, well, I do. I have I have empathy or sympathy towards that. I do, but... It doesn't mean I wouldn't want to see somebody else stress out for a few seconds for some entertainment and especially just to like leave the whole nation in the dark for just a few seconds to where we're all like, wait, who is it? Who did they pick? What's wrong with my TV? Why is it not working? What happened? Uh, I think that would be kind of fun. Uh, You know, eventually we'll get to know who it is. I just want to see a a little chaos. All right, uh, and chaos uh, Chaos is normally good. I just don't want chaos to derail this process, and I don't think it will. But, but you know, a glitch or two here or there I think will make some sense. All right, I want to see whether or not LSU or Alabama tie the Miami record for seven first-round picks taken 
uh, from the same school in the same year. It was 2004 for Miami. And, I mean, when all else fails, pick somebody from LSU or Alabama. It's the Mike Mayock approach. Remember last year, Clemson and Alabama. Now it's LSU and Alabama. Just take a guy from LSU or Alabama, and you'll be fine if you don't know what else to do. And I'm kind of hoping that they both end up with seven guys in the first round, Chris. Uh, I, I that was that was going to be my next pick, and uh, I mean I, I'm with you there. Uh, it it, it, w- it would be cool to see one of those two teams break the record. I think Alabama probably has a better chance to break it than LSU. But regardless, I mean it just once again the SEC, as we've seen, is just so much king in fo- in college football. It's just not even close between anybody else. It just all the SEC SEC players are what they're gonna, they're looking here to break the record again for the first round with most most conference players drafted. So I hear you there. Um, all right. I think I'm going to go with something I went with my mock draft. And, you know, it's a rumor that I heard from, like I told you, that somebody I trust or two people that I trust. But I really want to see it in a lot of ways. I want to see C.D. Lamb go to the Arizona Cardinals to pick number eight. I think that will throw the draft a big-time curveball. I think it's going to make a lot of teams panic in the early teens who are looking at receivers, like maybe the Jets, the Raiders. You know, we've heard the Broncos are very interested at 15 at wide receiver. If one goes off the bar that early, I think you could see panic by others if they thought they were going to get a receiver that they really wanted the teams to where they go, oh, no, maybe the guy we want might not be there. So that could lead, one, to some trades. But two, CeeDee Lamb with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald and Cliff Kingsbury, I just think would be really cool. It'd be like the, the, the Golden State Warriors offensive explosion when they had Kevin Durant. I think it'd be fun, fun for NFL. The Rams are in real danger of getting left in the dust in the NFC West because they have become, all due respect, dysfunctional, or at least borderline dysfunctional since going to the Super Bowl and losing to the Patriots. The other three teams in that division – all have that arrow pointing up, and the Cardinals, if they yeah. get C.D. Lamb, uh, they, they're going to be real real contenders in the division and in the conference. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Trent Williams trade rumors are heating up again. Will he finally be on the move out of D.C.? We'll discuss that next, right here on PSL. Trent Williams continues to be officially a member of the Washington NFL franchise. He wants out. He's been trying to get out. There's a report that Washington has spoken to four different teams about a trade. The Browns, the Jets, the Vikings, and the Eagles. Now, I'm told that there is absolutely no truth, Chris, to the possibility of a trade between the Eagles and Washington for Trent Williams. And anytime anytime you see a report like this, where four teams are being identified as being interested in the player. It's either coming from the team that wants to trade the guy or it's coming from his agent. But somebody is trying to create a bigger market for Trent Williams than what it currently is. And I think it currently is one team. I think it's the Browns. And you got to squeeze the Browns to pay more. It reminds me of the Le'Veon Bell free agency market a couple of years ago, or actually it was just last year, where there were fake reports of interest by other teams just to jack up the price that the Jets paid. I feel like Washington is trying to manipulate the media to jack up the price that the Browns ultimately pay for Trent Williams. So I I never doubt that, Mike. You're right. Um, I I think this is real, though. I do. 
you know, I, I, I know I know of two other teams that are certainly in the conversations about maybe trying to add Trent Williams Who? other than Cleveland. Who? Other than Cleveland. Who? I can't tell you. I can't tell. Oh. You know, I know. I know, but what am I, I what am I gonna say? I can't say it. We can't but pay I just, you. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to say, you know. <laughs> I mean, but but all I do think it's real because this would be the big thing, Mike, to me. First off, he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. He is special. And Yes, it's year 11 of his career. It's a little dicey. But as we know, in college football right now, some of the offenses stink. They do nothing to help these offensive linemen. They're so raw. They're clueless. And to me, you know, Thomas from Georgia, Wills, Wills from Alabama, Becton from Louisville, you know, I think after that conversation there, there's a drop-off to me with the talent as far as tackle is concerned. And I think that, you know, teams are a little concerned that if those three go early in the draft and we need the tackle position, this could be maybe one way they fill that position and maybe they can address other needs in the draft with their picks. Cleveland makes a lot of sense, Mike. Former Washington GM Scott McLuhan said earlier this week that Trent Williams is better than any of the tackles in the draft. But obviously, he's a lot more expensive and he's a lot older. But from a talent standpoint, ability standpoint, if you want to plug a guy in and have him effective right away, Trent Williams is the guy. And it's just a shame he's been out of football for as long as he's been, in large part because Washington has been too stubborn. There's a sense that stubbornness is going to break. Look, this can all be posturing and preening. At the end of the day, you do the best deal. This is all set up to do the best deal. And so he'll be a 49er apparently tomorrow since you can't tell me which team it is. That would be the one team that would be at the <laughs> top of my list of teams you can't tell me who they are. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, a little bit more about the draft when we wrap up this Thursday edition, draft day edition of PFT Live. We'll be back right after this. Almost 11 hours now until the draft begins. This day is going to fly by. It's going to be fun. We're going to have stories posted all day long at profootballtalk.com. And, Chris, one thing I'm really looking forward to is that curveball, oddball trade that we aren't really thinking about. Odell Beckham Jr., who knows what may happen with him. There was a rumor yesterday linking Juju Smith-Schuster to the 49ers. That got shot down quickly by the Steelers in off-the-record comments to a bunch of reporters. But I just feel like we're going to have one of those moves over the course of the next couple of days where somebody maybe we're not thinking about ends up on the move. No doubt. It always happens, right? I mean, there's always a pick, a trade, something that goes down in the first round that you just went, man, I never saw that coming. So I'm interested by that. Hey, Tua... Where does he go? Hey, how about Isaiah Simmons? That's one thing I'd like to just say. I don't know where he lands in this draft, Mike. I have a feeling he might fall down the draft board a little bit and be there later on than we think. We're done. We'll see you Friday. And Chris will be here Friday. That's how big of a week it is. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.